All right, come with me to uh, James uh, chapter 4, verse 13. And I'm going to jump right in here. I want to read this scripture together. And I want you to, as we do this, I want you to, I want you to think about, um, so oftentimes you see uh, sports movies and or you were on a team, and at halftime, you're not winning yet. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're in it. You've played well enough to make it to the game, but you're not winning. And then you've got that speech at halftime where the coach comes in and says, all right, guys, you played well enough to get here, but you need to remember what you're about, right? Jason preached the other day. You need to play your game. And he, and he, he or she riles the team back up, reminds them who they are and what they're about so they can win the game. And I feel like that's what James is doing right here. James is, is speaking to the church and he's saying, all right, here we are. Here we are, we've got a good plan, we've got a good God, we know what we're about, but we need to remember what we're about, and then we need to do it, and we need to go out and play to win. Go out to play to win and play the way that God's called us to. And that's what James is doing. So I want you to hear it through that, through that tone. I don't know, uh, maybe it's just me and having a prohibitive conscience, but I've read James in the past and just felt like super yelled at before. I think I had my own tone that I had added to it. Does anybody else have that feeling where James is just like giving you a hard spanking the whole time? You're just like, geez, everything I do is horrible, James. But that, that's, I think that's wrong. I think James is coming in and saying, hey guys, let's remember who we are. Let's get out there and let's win because you know what to do, but you got to do it. And I know you can. So I want you to hear it that way. All right. And <laughs> you got me, you got me laughing. James has got me laughing about James. Here, James sent me a text in the middle of church. So first of all, I'm just telling on, James was, James was texting during church. But if James could have introduced the worship team today, then he would have said, ladies and gentlemen, let's put our hands together for the Oak Mills family band, the mighty musical family of Christ. <laughs> so that was pretty fun. Wasn't that neat seeing the family come together and lead? That was super cool. I just love how rich we are. Okay, perhaps... I have gotten distracted. Let's get back to the scriptures. James is encouraging us. It's halftime. Let's do this. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it's sin. Now that word that he's using right there, he says you're boasting in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. That word is only used a couple of times in the New Testament. And that word is alazonia. There we go. It's not alaza, alaza, that part I made up. It's alazonia. And here's what it means. Empty braggart talk. Empty braggart talk. An insolent and empty assurance which trusts in its own power and resources and shamefully despises and violates divine laws and human rights. And then lastly, an impious and empty presumption which trusts in the stability of earthly things. Empty braggart talk and presumption that's trusting in earthly things and the stability of earthly things. This idea that we can trust in our own power, bragging about you know, who I am and how I can make it happen according to my own ability. Nebuchadnezzar did that one time, do you remember? Do you remember that story? Look at this beautiful kingdom which I have made with my own might and my own power and all of its splendor. 
And you guys remember what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. It did not work out well for him. But that was empty braggart talk. It's boasting in something that's not worthy of being boasted in. It's used again in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. I want to read that to you. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life. That, that phrase right there, pride of life, that's that same word, alizonea. The empty braggart talk, the insolent empty assurance, the empty presumption which trusts in the stability of earthly things. That's that same word, boasting in the pride of life. And he goes on to say, it's not from the Father, it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. You can see that James is referencing this same idea when he says, listen, anytime you're doing this, you're boasting, you're just, you're, you're missing, you're boasting about what, the, what you can do and what you think you're going to do. It's arrogance, it's evil. He says, instead, what you ought to do is say, if God wills, then I'll do that. So he's saying, there's a certain kind of boasting that's evil. Now, I'm going to get into the kind of boasting that is really good. We're, we're actually called to do a certain kind of boasting, but there's a kind of boasting that we're called to not do. And so let's start with what not to do. We find ourselves boasting in a way that's not from the Father. When we do this, catch this, when we do this, whatever that we are boasting in that's other than God, that very thing, we put our trust in it. We be, it becomes our stability. It becomes the thing that we're looking to. I'm putting my, my eyes on it. I'm boasting in it. That thing actually becomes the very thing that enslaves us. It becomes the very thing that ends up destroying us. It eats us alive. For instance, if, if I'm going to put my boast into beauty, and some of us were blessed of God, some of us more than others, um, I'm not going to be the judge of that. Everybody here is flipping gorgeous, so this is a humbling word for all of you. But when we boast in beauty, here's the problem. Beauty fades, doesn't it? At the end, at the end of the day, gravity wins. <laughs> and even if I am at the top of my game, right? Because the beauty game, like boasting in your beauty, honestly, that game only runs from about like 13 to maybe 28. And it's just like you peak and then... So if you're going to put it all on beauty, that is a bummer for you. And even if you're in your peak, there's going to be somebody else that walks in that's more beautiful than you. And you're like, oh, nuts. Like, that's, that's my thing. Being the beautiful, most beautiful person in the room is my thing. And so it's going to eat you alive. The other part is you're going to be spending time because you'll never be beautiful enough. The minute we start boasting in the wrong thing, there's never enough of it. Another, maybe it's talent. Maybe I'm going to boast in my talent. I'm going to put my boast in talent. It's like, well, I'm an incredible athlete, or I'm an incredible artist, or I'm an incredible mathematician, or, 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 or whatever. But I, the minute that I put my boast in that, what happens when the thing that I'm awesome at is no longer needed? You know? When, uh, when, when Ethan Hola was in third grade, he was, like, amazing at Atari. And his kids are like, what is Atari? It's, it, one minute you're awesome, you're hot, the next minute you're not. Whatever your talent is, it has an expiration date on it. It might not be needed. And then what do you do? If my boast is in that, now suddenly I'm no longer 
that person that everybody needed. And so that thing begins to destroy me. The other part is, what if somebody comes in that's more talented than me? Now all of a sudden my world is shaking. How about popularity? What if it's being known, right? What if it's being known on social media? How many people know me? How many people, how many followers do I have? Or what if it's popularity in reality? See what I did there? Either way, what happens when you're alone? Do you have value anymore? If you've put your boast in how many people know you, how can you ever be alone? And, and what happens if they start knowing somebody else? They start following somebody else, being with someone else. So each thing suddenly becomes the very thing that we were seeking to satisfy us, it actually becomes the very thing that eats us alive because we're trying to get something from it that it cannot give to us. The last one, what if, here's a good example I think for our day and age, what if I'm putting my boast in a great cause? What if, what if I'm putting my, 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 my meaning, my identity, who I am, I'm a warrior for justice. Well, that's great. But if my boast is in that, if that's not something that I'm doing, but it's something that is everything I'm about, what happens between right now and the time that the, that, that cause of justice actually comes through? How do you rest when the cause has not yet, you haven't, you haven't gotten justice. Your boast is injustice, but your cause hasn't come to its fruition yet. That injustice still stands. How can you rest? You can't. If that's all that you're about, then you have to keep doing it in order to have a purpose and a meaning. You're not allowed to rest. And then when you do solve that cause, then what are you? Your, whole life, your, your boast was in that, and now, now that injustice is no longer here. Now, now what do you do with yourself? So even the best of things, and honestly, it usually is the best of things. It usually is good things, but when we put our boast in them, that very good thing actually turns into something that just eats us alive. Red Crab would say, it eats your lunch and pops a bag. Does anybody put their lunch in a bag anymore? Does that happen? Yes, my man James. Oh, and you know what? We might be, look, bad question. <laughs> I think we're dating ourselves a little bit here. I put my lunch in a bag. So whatever I put my boast in, which becomes my attention and my affection, it becomes the thing that lets me down. It can never satisfy because it can never satisfy what only God can satisfy. See, this is what James is calling us back to. He's saying, listen, when you start boasting in these things, and by the way, guys, these things that we tend to boast in are usually the very things that he gave us and called us to. How many of you guys know that it says God is the one that gives you the ability to work and make a profit? And James is telling them, don't you boast and say you're going to go to thus and so city and do business and make a profit. That's evil if you're boasting like that. It's like, well, wait a minute. God told us to work and make a profit. In fact, there's a bunch of parables where he says, you terrible servant. You didn't invest your talents. You didn't make a profit. And I'm very upset with you. What you have will be given to someone else who was a faithful steward. So clearly he's not saying making a profit is a bad thing. He's saying, you can't make that thing that you're doing where you put your stability, your affection, your devotion. You can't boast in that. That can't be what you're about. Does that make sense? And the minute I do that, the minute that we do that, what happens is we suddenly seek for that thing to satisfy things in us that only God can satisfy. I'll give you a, an example. It's kind of a silly one, but it's a true one. Um, I, uh, I think like four years ago, 
uh, bought a car from my, my little brother, uh, Ishmael. He has a car addiction, which is super great for me because he has to get new ones and then I just buy his other one for way less. So it's a win-win. And um, so anyway, I bought this Ford Fusion from him. Uh, it was a 2016 Ford Fusion. And I, I love this car. I really love it. And it's the newest car that I've ever bought. Um, and it was even newer when I bought it. And I had often thought about, because Karen and I usually buy used cars and we just, we don't really like having a car payment or what have you. We, we're, we're kind of like that with our money. And so we haven't bought new cars because we're like, nah, I don't really want to do that. But I really wanted this car. And I've thought often, you know, as you're driving, because with your used cars, they're quirky, right? We just like, you know, like, ah, it's got character. You got to slam the door twice, you know? That's, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, Gus, you know, old Gus is kind of grumpy. We love Gus. Oh, Gus's radio doesn't quite work. No, you got to tap it a little to get the heater to work. You know, those kinds of things. And, you know, you play, you play about that. But deep down, I'm like, someday I'm going to buy a nice car where everything just works. Where I don't have to have a story about how it works. It, it just actually works. And I'm like, this is going to be so good. I'm going to feel so content and happy and I'm going to have gratitude. Plus, I'm going to feel like I arrived at a certain level of financial goodness that I'll have been able to afford a new car where everything works. That's going to feel good too. And so... I get this car, which is great. And after about three days, I start noticing this sadness descending upon me, this depression kind of brewing up in me. And I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, no. I had actually attached, I'd started to like put my boast in, when I have this new car, I'm going to feel content. I'm going to feel like I've arrived. I'm going to feel satisfied. I'm going to feel a little bit, you know, good. I was going to break into song there. I thought Andrew was bringing in a little, and I would. No. And, uh, but I, I had attached these things to it. And then when I got the car, because, because it couldn't satisfy those things, I'm like, oh, I can be thankful for this car, but this car doesn't make me content. I can feel great about a car where everything works, but it doesn't make everything in my life suddenly be settled and everything in my life is working. Does that, you know? And I'm going, oh, nuts. And think about how often this happens. Now, that's just a small, that's just a small thing, but it, it exposed my heart that I had, I had a whole bunch of life, um, of life's issues that can only be satisfied by the Lord that I had attached to a car, of all things. It's like, when I have a car, it will equal these things, this emotional feeling, this sense of well-being, etc. Think about how this happens on a larger level. Think of how many times we see, like, rock stars. It's so sad. Rock stars that, you know, they, they ever since they were a kid, they want to be a musician. They work their way up. They finally break in in their 20s. They become a superstar. Everything is going great. And then all of a sudden, they just start, they just start just plummeting, and then their life ends in suicide because they achieved the highest pinnacle of success and it could never satisfy the actual needs of their heart. And the very thing that they always aspired towards ends up becoming the beginning of the end because it can never satisfy what only God can satisfy. And that's what James is speaking to. He's saying, look, put your boast in God. Don't let your boast be in these other things. And by the way, James says, your life is like a vapor. Put your boast in the Lord because this part of life, this 80 years that you're going to get, we, on average, we get about 76 to 78 years. It's the average lifespan. So it's like that. And then we get forever with God. So he's like, look, think about that often. He's quoting uh, 
He's quoting King David. He's quoting the Psalms. Our life is like a vapor. It's important for us to think about the end of our life. He goes, remember that. Keep it in context. Put your boast in the Lord. And if you're boasting in other things, that's evil. It's a distraction. It'll never satisfy you. Plus, it's proud. You can get into like how powerful and good you are. Yeah, when things are going good. Now, let me, let me talk to you a little bit about what we can boast in. All right, so there's the empty boasting that ruins it for us, that sets us up to never be satisfied, sets us up to be constantly off balance. But here's the boasting that God says we can do. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I'm the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. I mean, think about right now what we see, right? I mean, good night. I, I, actually, no, I'm going to stay on point, but how often we're, we're tempted to boast in our wisdom. Oh, well, actually, I've got a degree in that, and, rah, 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 and I've just checked in with my specialist, and they're really, really smart, and my specialist is smarter than your specialist, and, blah, 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 and you're like, whatever. Or the strong person, like, look how healthy I am. I've been doing a cleanse. I'm super organic. I'm, like, really powerful. I exercise all the time, and I run, and my body's just going to rock forever. Very regular. <laughs> Great. But don't boast in that, because let me tell you something, you're still going to live 76 to 78 years, and gravity's going to win. So don't boast in that. And then your riches, look at how well I'm doing. Financially, it's fantastic. Wow, I got money. It's like, yeah, well, every day it's worth less. Don't boast in those things. Don't boast in those things, because they can never satisfy them. But boast in this. Boast in, take care of your bodies, by the way. Go ahead and stay regular and eat vegetables. But don't boast in that. <laughs> Perhaps I've said too much. Boast in this, that you know and understand the Lord. The, and what kind of God is he? The God who practices steadfast love. Just, that's a say law. Boast in this. I serve the Lord and he practices steadfast love. I am not always steadfast, but he always is. And he loves justice. I rejoice in a God who loves justice. I believe it was, um, I think it was Martin Luther King Jr. that said the arc of history always tends towards justice. Right? So it's like, just wait. Because God is for justice. It will come. It will come. So anybody who's standing up and working against what God's doing, you picked the wrong person to resist. And he loves righteousness. He doesn't lower the standard. He's a God who's working righteousness. Let's boast in him. Let's boast in the generous, good, steadfast God. It's an incredible thing. And so we, we, we don't boast in these other things because it just sets us up for failure. It sets us up to be constantly off kilter and off balance. And instead we boast in the Lord. And, and then we suddenly are invited into this language that James gives us. He says, so therefore, say, God willing, if I live, isn't that just so humble and beautiful? If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Man, doesn't that just feel nice? 
just get the pressure off. It's like, hey, Lord willing, I'll be alive tomorrow. And if I am, I'm going to invest that money. And Lord willing, it'll work out well. But if not, my life is a vapor. It'll be over like that. And I think the Lord's going to be really proud of me that I took a risk. There's a freedom that starts to happen. We're able to say, oh, God willing, we're going to do this. But even if we don't, he's the God that practices steadfast love and righteousness and justice. And so it brings context to everything. Think about it for a minute, too. You know, oftentimes we do hear people say, well, if the Lord wills, then this will happen. Now, what this doesn't mean is fatalism. It doesn't mean that everything you see in the world that's going on right now is God's will. That is not what that means. We know that God's will is that God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And we know that the Lord's will is that everyone would hear the gospel, and then God will finish the work and come and complete extending his kingdom on the earth, and that it continues to extend until he comes. We know that God's will is that we would make disciples of all nations, teaching them to do everything that God commanded us. That's God's will. His will is that we would love others as much as he loves us. That's his will. Now, we know his will. I just told you it. Do you believe me? It's not even my own words. That's scripture. That's his will. However, in the context of us boasting in him, then we look at life and we go, well, I kind of thought that God's will was that this legislation would pass, and it, it didn't. <laughs> And I was kind of hoping it would. However, however, God willing, we'll see something even better come out of it because we know he's working everything to our good. It doesn't mean that thing was his will, that that legislation passed. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Or didn't pass? Or, or let's go another direction. I really thought this candidate was going to win this election. I had really hoped, God willing, this candidate will win this election. And they didn't. Does that mean God's will was done? Maybe. But what it does mean is... But you know what? I know his will is that his kingdom would come and his will will be done. His, his desire is that we would keep preaching the gospel. And so I'm going to continue to pray and say, well, God willing, we'll get through this season too. Or maybe your candidate did win. Oh, I was hoping, God willing, my candidate would win and it would be fantastic. And they did win, but it hasn't been fantastic. God willing, they'll get saved and it'll turn. Are you with me? It changes the emphasis from us putting our boast into a specific circumstance or situation to where we're devastated when it doesn't go the way that we had hoped. Isn't that a beautiful thing that we can say, oh, God willing, this will happen. God willing, we will live and it will go this way. But it doesn't mean fatalism. Can you receive that? Because sometimes that gets bandied about and it's, quite frankly, it's just annoying, isn't it? Where you're just like, it, it can't all just be everything that happens is God's will. <laughs> All right, thank you. That may have been more for me, so I just want to thank you guys for that little therapy sesh right there. And let's continue. But if it was helpful for you, then win-win. God willing, I'll stay on point. But even if it doesn't, he's really good and he practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness in the earth. So let me tell you about as we're boasting in God, as we're boasting in him, then suddenly this does something extraordinary for us. It gives us context, just like I said, whether it's an election or whether it's legislation or whether it's the economy, suddenly there's a context for us boasting in the Lord where then these other things always stay secondary. 
Suddenly, our stuff is in a different context. Suddenly, we, we don't have our boast in our stuff anymore. So it's like, wow, we just lost everything. I never thought that would happen. Like, that went horrible. I just got, uh, I just got robbed by this other company, and I just lost everything. And I, I had no idea that would happen. But it's not devastating to me because my boast wasn't in my company. My boast was in the Lord. Now, I'm sad, but I'm not devastated because God willing, he'll take me into the next season. Are you guys seeing that? It's a very different space, but, but depending on where I'm resting my boast, it will either devastate me or it will just make me go, well, my hope is always in the Lord anyway. Here's another one. It gives us the gift. When we boast in the Lord, it gives us the gift of humility and self-forgetfulness. I mean, just in saying Lord willing when we have plans is humility. But the other part is that when my boast is in the Lord, I'm invited to not have to spend so much time worrying about me. I I love that self-forgetfulness, humility. It's not that we think less of ourselves. I'm a worm, I'm dirt. No, no, no. It's not that you think less of yourself. It's that you're invited to the joy and glory of thinking of yourself less. When our boast is in the Lord, we're thinking of him, we're thinking of what he's up to, we're thinking about good things, and we get the glory of spending very little time thinking about us. Have you guys ever gotten into that feedback loop? I was in it yesterday. (laughs) And I was thinking about how I felt. I was having a rough day. I was like, man, I feel bummed. And then I thought, oh, I feel bummed that I'm so bummed. And then I told Karen about it, and then I didn't really like how she treated it, so then I felt bad about how she felt about how I felt. And I wished that she felt differently, but she didn't, which made me feel even worse. And I just started the vortex. But I had to prepare for this word, (laughs) so it popped me out of it. But what is the gift? When I put my boast back in the Lord, I actually get the freedom to not have to spend so much time thinking about how I feel, about how I feel, about how I feel. That sounds like a joke, but it's probably my favorite part. I, it is horrifying to be stuck alone in a room with just me when I'm my own center of my universe. I'm horrible at ruling the world. The other thing is when our boast is in the Lord, it makes us resilient. It makes us resilient. We don't need certainty in this world in order to be absolutely stable when our boast is in the Lord. Isn't that great? It makes us hopeful as opposed to cynical and fearful. When my boast is in the Lord, I'm always hopeful because I know that I'm praying his will be done, his kingdom come, and he is the God of steadfast love and righteousness and justice. And I'm included in that righteousness and justice. He's working on my behalf. I'm boasting in what he's doing. So when I can't, that's all right because I know he will. When my boast in the Lord, it makes me willing to take risks isn't that a cool thing? Courage starts to happen because my boast is not in my, my strength. It's not in my money. It's not in my wisdom. It's not in my good looks. It's not in my popularity. It's in him. And it's all his stuff. So then when he's saying, when I, when I look and I go, well, I know his will is to do this. Man, I'm going to take a risk. There's a pastor that was talking about, you know, speaking of stuff, you know, our, our most valuable expression of stuff is money, right? It's our liquid power where we've traded time for money. So we've got it in this thing that I can trade and use, all right? So it's powerful stuff, and, um, and it, can be, 
easy, as it says in that scripture, to put my boast in my money. And so, so that becomes a temptation. There's a pastor that he said, you know, oftentimes people reference the scripture where there was a certain man in scriptures who said, Lord, in the Old Testament, he said, don't give me so much that I, so little that I would steal, but don't give me so much that I would forget you. So essentially like, make it average, Lord. And a lot of people preach about that and they're, you know, that's great. But this particular pastor, probably a man after my own heart said, Lord, I don't agree with that prayer. I don't agree with that prayer where people are saying, you know, if I had too much wealth, then it would tempt me and I might turn away from you. He's like, Lord, I want you to, I want you to test me with wealth, Lord. And if I fail, test me again. <laughs> I think we're allowed to have that kind of a joyful experience with the Lord to say, if I'm seeking your kingdom come and your will to be done, I'm going to take big risks with the things that you've made me a steward over for your glory. And even if I lose everything, you're going to be like, wow, that was really cool. I, I liked how you did that. Let's try again. But when our boast is actually in that wealth, we'll hold on to it. Whether it's a little bit of wealth or a whole lot of wealth, we'll hold on to it if our boast is in that. The other thing that I would say is that when our boast is in the Lord, we practice patience. We practice patience as opposed to being angry, sad, and in a hurry. When my boast is in other things, it's in circumstances, it's in my ability, it's in my money, it's in, in my connections, whatever it is, then that means I'm constantly having to work. There really isn't rest for me. And I'm usually sad because something didn't work out or angry because something didn't work out or angry that someone might get in the way of what I'm trying to accomplish because I've got my hope, I've got my, my, my boast is in something else. And I end up rushing forward all the time trying to, to make it all work. Does anybody in here identify with this, right? That you're in a hurry. Why? Why are you in a hurry? <coughs> so, I, so James, he, 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 does, he, he adds this interesting scripture at the very end. And I, I want to connect this together because it's almost like he's, he's, he's on this line of, of reasoning. Okay, he says, don't boast. It's, it's, it's arrogant. Don't do that. Your life is like a mist. Say, God willing, if I live, and, and then we'll do thus and so. And all such boasting is, is a... Is, is wrong, bring up this next scripture. And then at the last, he puts this last scripture and he says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And you're kind of like, what? James, what, where did that come from? You're talking about this really very clear instruction and then you wrap up the thought there, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. What, what are you talking about, James? Well, I'd like to suggest that what he's talking about, because you know James throughout of all this, he's referencing scriptures from all over the place. Okay, in this he's talking from Psalms, he's, he's, he's pulling in other scriptures, he's, he's, he's telling us, like we're in the, right, we're at halftime, he's like, guys, get in the game, you remember this play, you remember this play, you remember this play, remember this scripture, remember this scripture. I think in this scripture, I think what James is referencing here is he's saying, for those of you who know what to do but don't do it, to him it is sin, well, what is it that we know that we're to do? Love God with all of our heart, strength, and mind, and love our neighbor as he loves them. What is the most profound, incredible thing that God does when he does that? Emmanuel. He's God with us. Like, I can't love you and not be with you. Love you. See you in 80 years. That's not how he rolls. He is present with us. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. And then Jesus goes, it's good that I leave because then Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to be with you always. 
And one of the gifts that we give to one another is that we are present with each other. And I believe that what James is doing is he's pointing at the fact that when we put our boast in the Lord and we say, okay, God willing, we'll do this or that, then we're aligned with God, we've got our our priorities in the right place, and then we are present with each other. And I I, I think that what we see is when we're not putting our boast in the Lord, we stop practicing, because how many of you guys realize it takes patience to be present with someone? So I think he's saying, listen, I, you, you, you need to boast in the Lord, so do that, because if you're not doing that, it's sin. But also, recognize that as we're putting our boast in the Lord, suddenly then, we're not hurried, we're not sad, we're not angry, we're not worried, we're not afraid. We're actually present to be the incarnational Christ with people. Incarnational, present, right there. He's in you, and I'm present, I'm giving you that gift. Let me give you an example. This is just yesterday as well. Yesterday was a very full day. So my daughter's 15, and she's um, learning to drive, and she's doing a great job. I'm super proud of her. And um, so any chance that we get, we pop her in the car and have her drive. So yesterday, we had some guests that were coming over, and I was cooking dinner, and I needed to run to the store. So I said, hey, let one should drive me to the store. So she pops in, and we're driving down, and we were on, uh, I think, Holly Street, and we were going to go across uh, and cross 6th Street to get where we were going, and so there's stop signs for us, but 6th Street doesn't have a stop sign, so people are turning in and navigating, and so she's waiting, and she's being super conservative. How many of you guys want your kids, when they're driving, to be super conservative? Yeah, that's like an answer to prayer. But my boast was not in my daughter being a super conservative driver right then. My boast was in getting my meal all perfect and on time for these friends that were coming to get everything all dialed up. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like... So this car, you know, comes, and there's like a perfect spot to go ahead and zip through, and she doesn't take it. And I'm like, all right, that's fine, okay. Then the next one, and she doesn't take it. And I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I'm like, come on. And like, you know when your internal world is like, and I'm like, okay. Another one, I'm like, okay. Then another one, I'm like, okay, babe, seriously, I love that you're so conservative. I want that all the time. But here's the spot, just gun it. And so she's like, and then I'm thinking about this. I'm like, you're such a dingus, Josh. Like, what, what is more important, truly, when I really think about it, aside from the Lord himself and my wife, there's nothing more important to me than being present with my kids. And yet, here I am, totally not present with my daughter, irritated with her, because She's being conservative in the way that she's driving, and it might take, what? I mean, literally, what? Two extra minutes? Like, is that going to change the entire trajectory of the evening? It's a small thing, but, but it's also kind of a big thing, isn't it? I mean, doesn't the Lord say, if you're faithful in little, you'll be given much, but if you're unfaithful in little, you'll also be unfaithful in much? I think it's a snapshot of where my heart was at right there. Now, luckily, there's grace, and... Plus, it makes a really great sermon point. So it's probably for you that I sinned. And you're welcome. I'm willing to bear that for you. No, no. But, but how many of us can see ourselves in that, right? Where, we, where we're finding our boast in these other things, and then rather than being present and at peace and saying, hey, if the Lord wills, this is going to work out. But even if it doesn't, he's really, really good, and he's steadfast in his love, and he'll bring righteousness and justice. So I'm going to be at peace, and we'll just... We'll just merge after the next car. 
or maybe it's something greater. If the Lord wills, we'll build another fortune. But if not, I was going to die in 30 years anyway, and all of my wealth is in him anyway. And, and I, I would dare say in Christ, those things are actually really the same because he is our boast. Let's boast in him. And this is what James is inviting us to do, to put our boast in him. So this week, as we, as we go through this, and in your books you're going to see this, the question that we're meditating on is, are there other places in my life right now that I've started to put my boast in those places? Lord, show me what they are and let me put my boast in you. You're probably still calling me to work on those things, to be involved in those things. They're probably good things. But to whatever degree you've begun to get your identity from them, you're, you're looking for it to satisfy things that only he can satisfy, let's you and I put our boast in the Lord. Amen? Would you guys stand? I want to pray for you and we'll, we'll wrap it up. Father in heaven, we are absolutely grateful that you're the God who practices steadfast love and you want us to understand that. Oh, we boast in you, Lord. You're the God who loves justice and you're the God who loves righteousness in the earth. You didn't put it off in some far off place. You practice these things now and you've called us to be a part of it. We boast in that. This week, Lord, would you please show us the places where we've put our boast in things that can never satisfy. And let us, Lord, align our hearts and our actions and our habits with putting our boast in you. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. Your love, love is overcome, darkest